Future Self Podcast, Episode 6. Don't stop until you're at the top. This is the Future Self Estate Planning Podcast, your place for financial and estate planning tips and so much more to make your future self your biggest fan. He's your host, Robert Ingalls. Hello, Future Self listeners. This is Robert Ingalls coming to you from North Carolina's Crystal Coast. When you absolutely have to get in work mode, there is no better backdrop than what I am looking at right now, right over the ocean. I'm considering relocating my studio here permanently. Future Self listeners, are you ready to get at it? Welcome to Episode 6 of the Future Self Podcast, where I compile knowledge, insight, and inspiration from some of the most accomplished minds every Friday. You've got hopes, dreams, and desires, and each episode is intended to provide you with actionable advice that you can implement in your life today to get one step closer to making your dreams a reality. And because I desperately want to see those dreams become a reality, last week I promised to give away a copy of any book I mentioned on the episode to two lucky listeners. We tossed all the names into the randomizer at random.org, and we've notified the winners by email today. I'll come back and let you know what books they chose. As always, you can find links for almost any book or product we mention in the show notes and the blog post. To join the mailing list and find out when more cool promotions are happening, just text the word FUTURE to 444-999. Again, that's FUTURE, F-U-T-U-R-E, to 444-999. And like every show, we're going to start off today's show with a productivity hack, a tactic you can implement immediately in your life to multiply your productivity. We've already discussed turning off the notifications on your phone, making a daily plan every day, and listening to podcasts and audiobooks on 2x. If you've implemented those, I want to hear from you about your experience too. Today's tip is a serious life changer. Use a password manager. How many times have you tried to log into an infrequently used website or program only to realize you have no idea what the password is? Now you have to reset it, check your email, go back, set a new password, and that password has to be different than any password you've apparently ever used in your entire life. All but guaranteeing you're not going to remember it next time either. I've wasted far more hours than I care to admit retrieving these rarely used passwords. Never again. A password manager keeps all the passwords safe and secure in one place across all of your devices, your phone, your computer, anything that you're using, your tablet, so you're never stuck wasting another minute searching for or resetting passwords. I personally use an app called LastPass, L-A-S-T-P-A-S-S. You can find it at lastpass.com. LastPass has all the time-saving functionality I need at less than the cost of two Chipotle burritos per year. And if you follow the link in the show notes or go on the blog post, you're going to get one month free of LastPass. Absolutely free. Now, go give it a test drive. Let me know how you like it. If you don't want to use LastPass, there are also numerous other options out there that do essentially the same thing. Uh, So try it out. Come back here next week, next month, next year. Let me know how it worked out for you. Now, on to today's guest. Are you ready? This is a very special guest for me, someone close to my heart, a New Jersey native, a hustler from day one. She took her first professional job with an accounting firm at age 13, left home on her 18th birthday, found her way to California, where her first apartment was an open field under the stars. She spent some time drifting around the state working for a diamond merchant. Then in 1979, at the age of 21, With an infant daughter and a son on the way, she moved to North Carolina. Shortly after purchasing a fledgling tax franchise in Plymouth, North Carolina for $7,000, where she began writing tax returns 
in a one-room storefront while moonlighting as a bookkeeper and a waitress, a single mother of toddlers trying to build something from nothing. While not always knowing where the next meal was going to come from, she spent years embracing this hustle. That hustle paid off. Ultimately, she sold that fledgling tax business for almost a 4,000% profit, which she has parlayed into a successful career in real estate, where she has consistently been one of the top grossing performers in her area. A woman that has never rested on her laurels, looking at every major achievement as just another checkpoint on the road to success. A woman who took control of her life from day one, made the hard decisions every day to get from where she was to where she wanted to be. Without this woman, I literally wouldn't be here. It is my distinguished pleasure to introduce my friend, my mentor, my mother, Mary Lou Willard. Oh, shit, that got rough, didn't it? <laughs> that was very sweet. I didn't even think you had all that. Welcome to the show, Mama. Thank you, thank you. And I'm not cutting any of that out either. Oh, that was very sweet. <laughs> but I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you guys either. There you go. You were the driving force behind me. Oh, swoon. All right, Ma, tell us a little bit about what you're working on these days. Well, I did retire finally from taxes April 15th of last year, but I'm full-time real estate and I have a deep passion for it. I love it. All right, so we heard 13 years old, you're already working in the professional world. What motivated you to spend these precious free days punching a clock when most of your friends are hitting the pool? I think just to learn. The, what I was learning, and again, I was driven by my mother. That's what gave me the driving force, is I looked up to my mother so much that I had this opportunity and I didn't want to waste it because I just felt like I, it was like a sponge. I just wanted more and more information. And as she taught me more, it wanted me to learn more. You know, it was kind of like a, a growing ball, you know, sure. it just rapidly kept going. And, you know, I loved it. And I think I enjoyed working. I enjoyed the paycheck, even <laughs> though it was $2.10 an hour, you know, knowing that I could buy for myself, what she wouldn't buy for me was also a driving force. And putting the money away, eventually I wanted to buy a car. You know, when I was 17, I wanted the opportunity to buy the car. You know, when I... I wanted to get away from home, obviously. <laughs> I came on the 18th birthday. <laughs> so you went to California. Was that... Tell us about that. What prompted you on your 18th birthday to trek across the United States with no plan? Well, I was very independent. I didn't like to be told what to do as... Most of my children don't, which I'm glad they got that because that also gives you the driving force in life. If you're a follower, you can never be a, a, a great leader. So I felt like my parents were really squashing and not allowing me because I was the only girl to express myself, to, to do the things I desired in life. I had to always be, you know, kind of their plan. And that day I turned 18 and they told me I was going to do a certain thing on my 18th birthday and I told them I wasn't and <laughs> I packed my stuff up and out the door I went and they had no clue and it was probably a week later before they even realized I was 3,000 miles away. Of course... How'd you get there? I got on an airplane. You I just, can't believe I did it. Just got on an airplane by yourself? Just got on an airplane by myself. Where'd I, you buy the ticket to? Uh, from Newark, New Jersey to Sacramento, California. <laughs> and it was one of, probably one of the stupidest things I've ever done. Hey, it sounds bold to me. But I did stay for probably three months. I had a lot of fun. I met a lot of people. Um, learned a lot of life lessons <laughs> in a very short period of time. What it's like 
to be without food for quite some time. But I don't think I would ever take any of that back because then it made me who I was in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. So you said you were out there three months? Yeah, about three months. That kind of, that was enough? That was enough. When I started getting hungry and, you know, and honestly, the only, probably the thing that drove me home the quickest was I was so hungry and we were living in the field and, (laughs) you know, it didn't rain much, so that was safe and it didn't get cold, so that was safe, but the hunger really was winning out. And the one time I was so hungry, I decided to go to this little store and I had to steal because I had no money and I had to have something to eat. I think the statute of limitations is probably run. I think we're safe. I think we're safe there. So I took sausage because I love sausage and we put it over this little campfire that we made in this field, which wasn't probably legal because we were in in the city of Sacramento. (laughs) And we cooked this sausage up and I took a bite and of course we didn't think about a drink and it was spicy sausage. (laughs) And that was kind of my penalty for stealing. God, the universe got back at you. It got back at me real quick. And that's the night I made a decision I would call my mother and I had to eat crow to go home. She wouldn't let me come home unless I told her why I wanted to come home. And I had to say I missed them to want to come home. And I really didn't want to have to tell her I missed her because then I had to admit that I probably shouldn't have left to start with. That sounds like grandma. (laughs) Yeah. Tell me what you did wrong. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) So after California, you moved to North Carolina and you started a business. Uh, Were you 20 years old? I bought it right after I turned 21. Okay. Um, you had an infant at that point and, uh, you know, another one due in short order. Right. Um, Six months down the road. Uh, did you ever at one point think, like, I'm too young to do this, or how the hell am I going to manage this? I think I was so young, I didn't realize that it just wasn't a way of life, because my mother always raised us. It didn't matter how old you were. If you wanted to do the job, learn it and do it. Because really, when I started with with this company, when I started with them, and I was 13, the boss caught me, and then he ended up hiring me. Because back then, you could hire somebody that young. It was part-time. Well, then he gave me my next job at 15, doing bookkeeping for 15 offices. And then at 16, he made me take the tax class, and I started writing taxes when I was 16. And then he made me office manager at 19. So really, with all that combination of my history already and my short span there in eight years... I pretty much knew how to run an office because I had done every step. So then when I came down to North Carolina, I thought, well, why would I work for somebody else when I can do it for myself and keep the money? So I decided, okay, I had a little bit of savings and I did it that way with my little bit of savings. I put the money down and then the man that sold it to me decided to hold the note. And I paid him off over a three-year period. And it was a struggle the first three years because he took most of what I made. So I always felt like I was going, you know, where's my next dollar going to come from, basically. And then after the three years, you know, it wasn't probably until I was in my 40s that I realized, you know, I was 21 and I was 10 or 20 years younger than anybody that worked for me. (laughs) So that was a real strange feeling. Now, during that time, did you ever take a moment and think about uh, where you wanted to be or make specific goals? I did. I wanted to own my own office because I really resented paying somebody else the money monthly for me to go run my business. And basically, they were making the money off of my labor. So that was one of my goals early on. And I bought the office in 1980, January 1st, 1980. And by 1987, I had gone on my own, wasn't married, 
and bought this business, bought the building myself. I bought it from one of the um, doctors there in town, and he didn't hold a mortgage. I got the, the loan from one of the local banks who believed in me, and of course, I've been in business seven years, so I guess that's why they allowed it. And at that point, I had actually within, that was 87, so the next year our business grew so, so fast that this building wasn't keeping up, even though it was probably 1,200 square feet. I almost doubled the size of the building. So in 1988, I hired my brother to come down. He was a contractor. I had him build on almost double the space. And I had grown the business from this small little business into a six-figure number business and it was amazing and that probably mind boggled me after I actually look back you know it took me a couple years to realize wow you went from you know almost a single digit (laughs) because I think my first year we did seven thousand dollars to go into six figure numbers that was very hard for me to take in sure Uh, was there anything you focused on every day uh, to keep you motivated when shit got tough when the weight of the world was crashing down well I always knew my end result were you and Wheezy. I always knew that I brought you into this world. You were my whole life. And that at the end of the day, I wanted you guys to have as much as I could provide for you, not just, you know, in what you got for gifts, but as far as education, a future. I wanted you guys to not have the struggles that I went through. And the only way to do that was to get enough money to get you guys educated. Oh. <laughs> All right. So. Where were you? You know, you said that you were really struggling. You weren't really turning a profit in those early years before you were able to really, um, you know, buy that building. What was going on in that moment? Um, Like, take us kind of through an average day. Well, I was nervous enough that I didn't know if I could hold on to the business because I was financially so tight. And, of course, daycare, I had to pay for you guys. And I kind of, I hate to say, but I wanted to see you guys get five so you could go to school so my daycare costs could go down so that I could actually afford to keep the business. And I just felt like I was kind of juggling it all, all all the time. I was just juggling. Of course, my, my parents weren't really financial support, but they were definitely, my mama was definitely my emotional support. And, um, you know, basically in tax season, I worked anywhere from... 10 to 12 hours a day, pretty much six days a week. And then out of tax season, I had an awesome time staying home all summer with you guys. You know, that's that's how I made the money to take you guys camp. That was a step later because early on, I didn't have a second job. It was after I picked the second job up. I was waitressing. And then when I went from waitressing, I went over to uh, a beverage firm and I worked with them. And I ended up being administrative assistant there. And I was actually, at that point, single, working two jobs, and they were both full-time jobs. So in tax season, believe it or not, my mother, at 10 o'clock at night, we would leave our tax office and go over to this other business, the beverage business, and she would come in and help me to perform my duties there so we could be out by 2 (laughs) o'clock. Knock it out a little faster. Yeah, so it was you know, twice as fast. And my boss was okay because he was getting... Right, work got done. Yeah, the work got done. So, you know, that was probably my hardest years ever were the years that I was trying to work two full-time and have you guys at home and still give you guys the attention so you didn't feel, de- you know, deprived of sure. of a mother. Now, you got, you're in real estate now, obviously. What year did you make that decision? I really didn't make the decision. What happened is my brother, my youngest brother said one year you know, your kids are grown. We don't have a lot going on. We might be interested in taking this real estate class. 
So we decided to go take it. I was like, I wasn't sure why I did it, but he wanted me to do it, so I did it. So we took the class in early 2000, right after tax season, and we opened our own little business called Pamlico Realty. And what him, year was that? That was uh, May of 2000 we opened it, I think, or June of 2000. Now, what were you doing with the tax business at that point? I was still running that. Okay. Well, I was. I, that might have been the year I was considering selling. I might have actually... Now, that's a big decision. You've been with that company at that point. You know, you've been there almost 20 years. Right. What was, you know, what was prompting change? Uh, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid probably four or five years before that, and it was before they came out with medication that would help with the ability to live daily. So my joints were hurting enough. I just, I couldn't deal. You know, Back in the day when I didn't have rheumatoid, I could pick up, I could run the whole office myself. I could pick up boxes of paper. You know, a whole ream of paper was nothing. I could run, I could get up and fix the copy machine. I could go up and do the electrical when the lights went out. I could go rewire electrical. Nothing scared me. But when I got where I couldn't physically do it, I also couldn't afford to hire a full-time employee. So at that point, I had to make a decision of sell the company and I was going to go work for my mother. Never thought, never considered real estate at that point. Well, then I think it was the year I sold. The year I sold, he said, "Let's go take this real estate class." So I decided. Now I did tell the company I was that I, you know, who I sold to. I did tell them I would continue working for them. So I sold the company April fifteenth, right after April sixteenth, and I took the real estate class right away. We opened Pamlico Realty my brother and I, and we had one of our people that worked for us at the tax service. She came in with us and worked as well. Well, my brother went out the first day with a female client and he came home and all he could say is she had told me what she wanted. I showed her exactly what she wanted and she didn't want anything of what she really wanted. (laughs) I quit. So the next day, day one, day one, he quit. So the next day I take her out and by the third property, you know, she kind of was telling me what she wanted, but I was also having a feeling of what she wanted now she wanted a house supposedly in this one neighborhood she ended up in a townhouse in a totally different neighborhood because what she was telling me really wasn't what she wanted and I felt like that was pretty neat that I was able to figure out what she wanted when she didn't really know what she wanted (laughs) so I really enjoyed it moved forward started working with more people and I found I am in love with this job it was just amazing that I could connect these people when they didn't even know what they want with the biggest purchase they'll probably ever make in their life. And I enjoyed what the happiness had brought me at closing day. And a year later, when they're having children and or their grandchildren are coming over, you know, you're looking back thinking, had I not connected them with that right house, they may not be where they are today in that position where they are. And I've become friends with many of the people that have bought from, you know, bought houses using my so how long before you knew you were uh, that was going to be your job? Oh, it was probably almost right away because love when, at first sight. Yeah, when he quit, I decided I had to go with a household name. Sure. And it, I went very quickly. Within six months, I was with a household name. Gotcha. And I just have progressed. When I started, I was the you know I was called the queen of mobile homes because. <laughs> You had to start at the bottom and work your way up. Right. And never believing I could be number one in that county. Never really attempting it because I never believed I could do it, honestly, because I was from the north. 
wasn't born and raised here, didn't know the average person, didn't even work. My business wasn't in that town. So I was going into a town who really didn't know me well. And I was going up against many people that were born and raised there and had been real estate for 30 years. Sure. So when I became number one in that county, it really blew me away. It really did to think that all my hard work, which I didn't think was that hard. (laughs) You know, I thought it was actually easier than what I could think that a number one person would have to do to get to number one. It wasn't as hard as you thought, It wasn't as hard as I thought. (laughs) Yeah. Is there one thing you can point to, like a personal characteristic that you think would be responsible for your success? Because you found success in two vastly different industries. That's true. Happiness of the job is huge. So just kind of finding that right job? Don't accept less than what makes you happy. And if you're not happy, you've got to move on to something else. I didn't pick either of those jobs. They picked me. I really believe that. I never went to school and said, this is what I'm going to do. It just, both times, they presented themselves to me. I fell in love. and, and, And that's true. Even when I was speaking earlier, when I was 13 years old, I fell in love with it. And I moved forward with it, and I stuck with it. And I was with them for 44 years, my right, first job. Right on. Yeah. I think my longest is maybe four. <laughs> so. Well, now you've been an attorney now five. Well, so. you know, uh, working for myself is very different. My, yeah. bo- my boss is much easier to deal with. Well, and not really. Eh, you know, I can mouth off to him, and he never throws me out. That's true. It's not historically been the case. That's true, but he also doesn't let you go home at oh, night. Oh, there's never any slack either. I'll no. give you that. Uh, now, society is a very harsh judge, and I know from personal experience that people are often too terrified of failure to even take the first step. Uh, what would you tell someone right now if they're sitting on the fence, they're wanting more, but they're doubting themselves and their ability to chase those dreams? Do it. Don't stop until you're at the top. Don't stop until you're at the top. I like that. Absolutely. You hear that, future self listeners? Move now. You do not have the luxury of starting later. Later is a cruel world. It's a cruel word that will take your dreams to the grave with you. Start now. That is going to bring us to the part of the show that we call the Future Self Skinny Minute, where we're going to ask you a series of semi-rapid-fire questions and try to get the skinny on you and what makes you tick. You ready? I believe I am. All right. What is one thing that you do every day that contributes to your personal and professional success? Take time to think about how others would feel when I start my day and I start with my next client. How would I or how I would want to be treated? So I want to treat them how I would want to be treated. That's killer. What is the best advice that you have ever received? Probably, you have a lot of advice in life, from parents to grandparents to teachers, books you've read, but probably the thing I have most recently kind of sunk my teeth into is the Dave Ramsey uh, podcast, and that probably started five or six years ago. Well, maybe a little longer now. Time tends to go pretty quick, (laughs) maybe 10 years ago. But, you know, the statement he says is live today like no one else so you can live tomorrow like no one else. Sure. Put in the hard work now. Do it now. Don't put it off. It doesn't matter if you're 21 years old and you want to buy a business and you want to get started in life. You can do it, and I'm living proof of it. I love it. That's one of the things this podcast is about. Do something today that your future self is going to thank you for. And never believe 
that you can't. Like you said, I had two very young children and my parents were not the babysitter. I had to produce this on my own at 21 years old. And anybody can do it if you set your mind to it. Killer. Do you have one app that you use every day that you could not live without? My Google Calendar. <laughs> we got somebody answer Google search the other day. I thought that, you know, and it's, it, you don't really think about it. I almost take it for granted, but I think you're right there, too. I use my Google Calendar all day, every day. It allows you to stay on target. You make your plan, and if you follow that plan, at the end of the day, you've accomplished what you wanted to start. Make I make a list in the morning, and it goes on my calendar. And as I do it, I check it off. And at the end of the day, if you've actually completed that calendar, you've had a great day. Yeah. And honestly, I didn't start using a calendar of any kind until law school. And I have no idea how I made it through my life without it. I agree. Um, And I'll take this minute to point out that there are probably children coming through on the podcast running around the house. There's like 15 of them. So we're doing our best to keep that noise out. But that's what you're hearing. My grandchildren, not to worry. The pitter patter of children. That's right. This is what (laughs) your this is your payment for all the hard work that you do when you start young. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite book that everyone should read? Probably, there's many books. I love many authors, but probably one that really showed me the driving force of somebody I never knew existed, which is Martha Washington, believe it or not. I never even considered reading this book, but I picked it up one day And I read the back of it, and I thought, I didn't even know George Washington's wife's name well after school until I've read this book. And I will tell you, it's called Mount Vernon Love Story. And it's the story about George and Martha Washington. And to me, I never realized the strength that Martha had and why George made it where he was, was basically due in part large part to George. I mean, to Martha. Right. I have not read that yet. I will put that on my list. And I will also link that in the show notes and the blog post so you can click on that and uh, and get yourself a copy. And any any copies that you buy from a link on the website or in the show notes, will a portion of that will come back to the show to keep us going. So, all right. How did you spend your time? How do you spend your time when you're not placing people in their dream homes? Mostly with family. Okay. My joy comes, this week is huge for me. Every year I start looking forward to the next year. When this week comes to an end, I'm planning our next get-together for all my children and grandchildren. There's no better time than enjoying time with the family. Right on. Do you have a favorite quote? Probably my, I have many of those as well, but probably one that comes to mind for me right now would be, what consumes your mind controls your life. I like that. So if you've got garbage in the mind, get it out. Don't allow the garbage to consume your life. And I had a, I read a book. It was, um, it was called The Art of Racing in the Rain. And I believe Garth Stein is the author of that. And it's, a, it's an interesting book. And it's told from the perspective of the dog. The dog is watching his owners. And the dog's owner is a, um, a race car driver. And one of the things the owner frequently says is the car goes where the eyes go. And, you know, if you're in a spin out and you're, you know, 
freaking out and you're paying attention to the wall, that's likely where you're going to end up. And, and, and his owner says, the car goes where the eyes go. If you're in a spin out, focus on where you need to end up, not where you're scared of going, because the place that you focus is where you're going to end up. And that's essentially what I, that quote that you just said means to me. Absolutely. I really like that. Um, and, and I try to remember that. I read that years ago and it, it just always stuck with me. What did 10-year-old Mary Lou think that she would be doing today? A nurse. You thought she'd be a nurse. When did you diverge from that path? When I was 13. Okay. And I went to become a candy striper, and I was up there probably six months. And back in the day when you were a candy striper, you did a lot more things for people than you do today. And one of my tasks was to take this young boy down to x-ray, and we had to push him on the on the bed, the rolling beds. And I took him down to x-ray and I was to go to have lunch and come back and get him. And when I came back, the young boy had passed. And I was so devastated because I had played with him for probably a week and a half. Not really played, he was sick. But I interacted with him. And I love children. You know, I was babysitting from a very young age. And then within days of that, I had to change a bed for an older man. And we had learned how to roll them. So I had rolled them to the one side, and I took the bed sheets off, and I'm rolling them back the other way. And he just acted funny to me. And I was, it's a 13 year old mind, but he just didn't seem to be okay. So I'm yelling for the nurse, nurse, nurse. And of course, she comes in, and lo and behold, next thing I know, here goes a body bag. And that was oh the day that I said, I will never work in a hospital. I think I'd have hung it up there too. I like life. Yeah. And, I did, you know, I like to move forward. I like excitement, and this was opposite of what I wanted. Yeah, I agree, and I, and that's one of the reasons I never considered a job like that, because I am very much live and let live. I'm glad someone's there to do that, but I'm also, uh, I'm just, um, I wear my emotions on my sleeves. And, I do too. And I cannot, if I'm doing something like that every day at work, it's going to infect the rest of my life. It's I'm going, going home with me. I'm going to bring it home. Um, I know a lot of people that don't. I know some divorce attorneys who just, they deal with really ugly stuff every single day. And then they come home and they hug their wife, they kiss their baby, and they don't have any problem. But um, I can't disconnect. You know, I, I dabbled into that world briefly, and it's a very, uh, yeah, I can't disconnect it either. To I, me, I it's very it dangerous because I would end up at home bringing those emotions and tearing my family down. Again, go back to the quote, what consumes your mind controls your life. Sure. So I'm in, well, if you notice, the fields I got into were happy fields. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I'm helping people get money back on their taxes, and I'm getting them one of the biggest dreams of their life. Yeah, and I'm the same way. I get so much pleasure from helping someone achieve something that they want. Like, I love it when a client, you know, sends me a message. I get Christmas cards sometimes, and they're just so thrilled that just what I felt like was just a random job, which I didn't even really pay that much attention to. Like, I didn't think that they were going to go out of their way. And they're just so happy with the, you know, what I had been able to accomplish for them. And and I really loved that. And I was like, this is what I want. Um, this is what res. And I get questions. Um, the podcast has only been going for, you know, six episodes now, and I get questions uh, from viewers. And some people just shoot me. I got a Facebook message today from someone that listened, and it really resonated with them. And it just, it, it just made me so happy in that moment and just kept me going all day um right. so yeah and that's what keeps us going what, day after day you what ask makes what you keeps happy. you going yeah what keeps you going is being able to help others and you know nursing is helping others absolutely but that's somebody that has a different view of it you know blood scares me i'm going in the opposite direction <laughs> so all right final question and it is a bit of a softball i wanted to make an easy one here at the end who is your favorite child 
<laughs> Come on. <laughs> you going to leave that one alone? I'm leaving that alone because my other children are going to say, what? <laughs> <laughs> See, I feel like that was an implied answer there. If anyone was listening. I think listening. you're trying to get that answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me here on our lovely vacation in Emerald Isle. Um, where I got can, the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Where can listeners find you when they're looking for real estate in Eastern North Carolina? You can go to MaryLouTeam.com. That's the website. Um, Mary www.MaryLouTeam. Or they can email me at MaryLouWoolerTeam at Mary Lou Wooler team at gmail.com. Perfect. Can they find you on social media? They can find us on social media. Again, Mary Lou team on Facebook. Perfect. All right. Thanks again so much. You're quite welcome. Okay, future self listeners, if you dug the killer, actionable content in this episode, text future to 444 999 and we'll shoot tips and advice directly to your inbox that you can implement in your life immediately to get you from where you are to where you want to be. Again, that's future to 444 999. I am so grateful for every single one of you that took the time out of your day to spend it with us. I love receiving messages from you guys. Seriously, I said that just a moment ago. It makes my day. So please shoot me a message. Tell me what you're up to. Tell me where you are. Tell me where you want to go, any struggles you're having getting there. I want to hear about it. Until next Friday, Future Self listeners, get out there and get after it. You've been listening to the Future Self Estate Planning Podcast. If you're serious about planning for the future, then we have exactly what you need. Check out our website at www.ingleslawfirm.com for more actionable estate planning content and grab your free copy of our ebook. Six things you need to know before making a will or living trust. Thanks for listening. Now, get out there and give your future self something to cheer about. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, and Pinterest at Ingles Law.